millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, and welcome once again to History Dweebs. I am Tim. Welcome to the podcast where we take a lighthearted look at the dark side of history. The topic of our podcast today is the murder of Eddie Goodell. Eddie was a little person. Is that the yeah. appropriate? I believe term? he was a dwarf, Timmy. He was a dwarf. Uh, not, not a midget. No, that's politically incorrect, Colonel. No, I, midgets don't mind being called midgets. I think they do. I think it's a thing. But is anyway. It? Have Ed- you taken a survey? Huh? What, what the <laughs> fuck do you know? How many do you know? I don't, you know, I got survey? a strange thing. You're not here. Yeah, you're not here yet. You're, t- you're not here. All right. Yeah, let me do the introductions, and then you can... Um, Yammer. Uh, well, I wasn't going to say that, but okay. Um, this is a story of Eddie Goodell. Eddie was the uh, only uh, little person to appear in, in a Major League Baseball game. And um, this isn't about really about that. Uh, so if you're not a baseball fan, still uh, stick with this story because it's an interesting story. It's more about his life. And Eddie... Um, Met an untimely demise, Colonel. He was murdered. So we're going to talk about... Well, you Ed- just gave away the whole story. I know. We're going to talk about Eddie's life and how uh, his... Who picked uh, this topic? His sad, <laughs> sad uh, That's what ending. I want to know. Oh, it's kind, of, it's kind of a cool topic. You'll like it. I doubt um, it. Had you read it, you would probably know <laughs> had that. Had you read the script, you'd know I it. I just got the script 10 minutes ago. <laughs> I know. I was doing some late <laughs> editing. But anyway, let me introduce our panel. But before I do, let me remind you that we are a comedy podcast and we use adult language. So if that is not your thing, then we suggest you... Just move along. Nothing to see here. Yeah, probably want to check out some other great podcasts that are out there, like Insight, which is really good. Our friends Charlie and Allie, or there's probably some other ones out there to check out. But uh, if you don't, if you're offended by adult language, this one is probably not for you. Okay, um, let me introduce our panel. I am. We got a new introduction for uh, our first host. I call bullshit. She is now and henceforth shall be known as. The benevolent, uh, Her Majesty Queen Brandy the First. How are you today, Brandy? I'm all right, Timmy. How are you? Fine. You sure you prefer that over penis loving? I, I Pill do. popping. I do. Satan's I do. dirty little secret. I, I do prefer that. All right. It so, seems okay. more fitting. So henceforth, you will be known as Brandy the First. That is fine. Long live the Queen. Long live the Queen. Uh, how how are, are things going with you? Uh, you know, all right. I had I had a little bit of a rough weekend, so I want to thank everybody that um, that was on our page that sent very kind words to me. 
um, I was feeling needy and you guys helped me out. So I really do appreciate that. But, you know. Things better. Who knows? But, you know, one day at a time. Yeah. Well, we're we're plugging along. Glad you came in to podcast today. That is the only reason I am here. Well, it's an important reason. It is. It is the reason. Now, when I feel bad, I I like to podcast. I think it's well, it's therapeutic. You're you're being a little bit of a fucking. You've been kind of a dick. Been a little crank cantankerous to me. Cantankerous is one word. I also want to say that that Molly uh, Erickson. Mm -hmm. Made me glasses, some glasses chains, and I got I've them. I seen that you look like very a nice, they crazy are, librarian. They are spectacular. <laughs> they are spectacular. Yeah. They there. are spectacular. We have to take a picture of them. And put them. She up on does page. beautiful, amazing work. I have I have a glasses chain for every day when I'm feeling kind of funky, mm-hmm. and then I have one for you know dress. Oh, you got a dressy. Oh, I got a dress chain. one. Oh, okay. I do. I do. I have a dress one. And then my niece, my niece actually got me one. So that's kind of a that's kind of a sporty cool. one. So you should take a picture and post them. Sometime the I will. Okay. I'm not. I'm not about pictures right now. I look like I have meth sores because my face is so broken out. Uh-huh. What's your face? Be? I don't see your face broken oh, out. It's awful. Um, you look fine. But Molly does beautiful work, and she's thinking about setting up an Etsy page, which I am completely. Etsy. Etsy. Whatever. Etsy. The hell. Yeah. Etsy. Eatsy. I think that's a food page. Eatsy? It's not. It's. But she's thinking of setting up a page, and I think we all should encourage her because she does beautiful yeah, work. Yeah, that's, that's, those chains are amazing. Yeah, she does really, really good work. So I appreciate what she did. Came at the perfect time. So thank you, Molly, very much. You yes. know Molly's problem with uh, jewelry is she takes pictures of herself wearing the jewelry, and she's so pretty that it overshadows the jewelry. I told her get get a model that's not get an ugly model. Get Nicholas to do that. Get Nick. Put that necklace on Nick. Cause it's harsh. I, no, I'm not saying Nick's Nicholas a handsome man. Nick's a handsome is, man, but, but not, not the kind of handsome that would overshadow her. Yeah, but it, shiny. It, but she's jewelry. you know. But Nick. Nick's a great guy. Nick is, and, but you know him wearing a choker. I don't think he is would a big do it. Sell, he would do I it. I know he would do he it. He would do it, but I don't think it's a selling point for <laughs> the choker. True. That's true. I also want to give a shout out to one of our longtime listeners, Annette Petray. Annette, of course, uh, she is amazing in her own right. She makes soaps and body butter and uh, what else? Oh gosh, she makes amazing stuff. It really does. It smells good. And it's, it's called. It's called. Her company is called Obsessively Calm, and they have a website, obsessivelycalm.com. And we have all uh, have tried her products. Stuff. Oh, mm-hmm. I've got some. And awesome it's amazing. So if you get a chance, go to obsessivelycalm.com. Calm. C-A-L-M. Yes. Yes. And check it out because she's got some amazing stuff. Um, Brandy, yeah. um, before we move on to the Colonel, do you have our Patreon shout you want to get to? I might. Let's see here. All right. So we're going to go through here. Daniel and Kimberly Bassett. Jen Moyer and David Hill. Tommy Lane. Jason Dykes. Shelly Garrett, Bridget Clavey, Brandy McBride, Maggie Glover, Karen Widener, Widner, Kelly Jones, Joseph Kerr, Lauren Meredith, Jessica Greeno, uh, Mike Brown, Sarah Bloom, Amber Croup, Joe Hop- Hop- Hopkins. Good Lord. Joe with <laughs> the Now American, now American? Now American now History, History Podcast. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, you know what? Now i got to put my glasses on, see, and they're handy. Because <laughs> you your chain. You can use your chain. Because I can use my chain, but it's all tangled up in my thing here. Let's see. 
Tangled up in your thing. Okay. Shut up. She got a headphone cable tangled up in her glasses. It is. It's all mess. Whatever. Okay. So we're going to have to. All right. Last so time Joe, I got my thing tangled up in the thing, I, I got a blood clot. Becky. Becky em, omelet. You get an emblem. that an way. An emblem. Yeah. An emblem. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds creepy. Karen Alden, Cheryl Pierce, Timothy Young, Caitlin Campbell, Fiona Crisp, Laura O'Reilly, Christine Bourgeois. Donna Curran, Maja, Aaron with an A, Kimberly Cameron, uh, Elise, Kathleen Edgerton, Diane Student with the History Goes Bump, uh, Amber Trevino, Annette, uh, Lise, Leslie Hagar, Amber Scoville, Jahara, uh, Alicia and Chip, uh, let's see, Jeff and Don Chestnut, Andrew Happ, Karen Barnes, Rachel Flynn, Holly Woodward, Shirley Strap, Todd Long, uh, Lydia <coughs> Fisher. Yeah, and her sister. And her sister. And her sister. Ruth. Ruth. Okay, well. Uh, Jennifer Wasnick, Tyrone, Phyllis Munson, Sarah Morgan, Melissa Montoya, Brittany, Irvin, Martin, Jennifer Siemens, Cindy Lou, uh, Heather. And Linda. Linda Middleton. Mm-hmm. With Jennifer yes. and Jennifer's son <coughs> Hunter, yes, uh, Cindy Lou, Heather, Poole, uh, Charlie and Allie from the Insight Podcast, Bridget Bernhard, uh, the lovely folks at They Walk Among Us, Stacy, Christine Hauer, Cheryl Weldon, uh, and then Rudy the Wonder Dog. Uh, we cannot leave out. If I did, if I was going too fast, I do want to make sure that I give a shout out to uh, Catherine Cockgarage Richardson, uh, Nene, and Kelly Charlotte. Yes, thank you all very, thank you, Brandy. Thank you all very much for supporting us on Patreon. If you would like to support us on Patreon, just go to patreon.com slash historydweebs where you can give a little, you can give a lot, or... Or just a wee tiny bit, Timmy. Just a tiny bit. Are but even gonna... even if you can't give anything, it's okay. It's cool. Just keep listening. That's all we ask. Um, okay, I... Brandy. Uh, yes. Can I go... Can I introduce our third member now? If you must. All right. We are proud to introduce nope. the most dangerous man in podcasting today, a man who is known as the moral compass of our podcast. Nothing. Nope. A man who has been called an oasis in a desert of despair. Not ever. The Reverend, the Colonel, Charles Beauregard Hawk Waters III, affectionately known as Southern Gentleman. How are you today, Colonel? I'm doing wonderful today, Timmy. Thank you for asking. He sounds like he's bringing something up when he says Hawk. <laughs> well, I can't help Hawk. it. It's his name. And I, that's it's another, not his name. It's a name he gave himself. Yes. It's an, it was given to me. By As you. a gift. By you. And by the way, I gave you the name Colonel, so all these people are getting upset that we're taking your colonelship away. Look here. No. Look here, Timmy. You was no. not a colonel <clears throat> until I made you a You proclaimed yourself emperor. <laughs> I think that's where this made a left. Yes. <laughs> but but anyway, Colonel, how are you today? I, I'm doing wonderful. Did you throw Reverend in there, Timmy? Yeah. I, yes. I, okay. Okay. I just wanted to make sure you got that. Um, are you excited about uh, CrimeCon? I am excited about CrimeCon. There's going to be a lot of people there. We're looking for a lot of listeners that we're going to meet and looking forward to meeting them. Yes. Um, And other podcasters. Um, You know, I've gotten a lot of podcasters have gotten in touch with me. No, they haven't. You know, Allie and Charlie, they was talking about, you know, 
maybe me giving them some insight as to they were not talking about how yeah we do things. yeah they want to know how they can get the kind of numbers that we get <laughs> yeah <laughs> which you know what you one do, of them would have to hit their head here, really hard here's how you do it charlie and alan you bring an idiot on your show <laughs> <laughs> and, the defense have to listen and, 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 and give him give him some made up title hold on you're gonna blame this whole goddamn train wreck on me no. <laughs> like this is all my fault no no only about 70 percent is your fault that seems fair no, I think in fairness, I think that's okay, a little low. Okay, maybe seventy percent. I think it's a little 70%, low. Yeah. Says, I'm telling you, says Queen Brandy the first. <laughs> yeah. You're goddamn yeah. right. How hey, did you, how did she you, get a title? Tell you none of you gave me that name. I got I got that name from wait, our listeners. Wait, I gave you that name. I don't know. Did yes, you? I proclaimed you Queen Brandy the first. All right. When I had to get rid of this, well, you got to get rid of the dipshit over there. Yeah. Well, our listeners. Look, first of all, our wait, listeners are not. There was a political crisis. A, <laughs> there was a political struggle between me and the Colonel. And as a compromise, we elected you. I Queen. stayed out of the fray. I want that yeah. noted. Yeah. You did. Yeah. And then you were wise. I, and you, you I know, was you, wise, you, as usual. We, one was on the left, one was on the right, and you went right down the middle. You know, I yeah. also want to say that I really feel like we're going to disappoint most of the people that we meet because at 930, I'm ready, I'm ready to wrap it up. Like, maybe if we hit a Starbucks, I can make till 11, but, you know... I don't think I'm going to disappoint anyone because people have low expectations of me. But you two, yeah, I think you're going to disappoint. I feel like some they're people. going to figure out that we're just not. We're just we're jackasses. Well, see, and and I guess that's Dude, the difference because as soon I, as he starts talking about Rudy, I'm off to my room. I have no fear of disappointing people. I have well, been disappointing people all my life. <laughs> that's so. what Renee says. Yeah. You're just as funny in person as you're on. on the but I, I, I do want to give a, a, a thanks, a special thanks to one of our Patreon sponsors who, who I, I don't know well, but um, she was very nice. Shelly Garrett. She sent me a link and said, you know, you might be interested in this. And it was a, a YouTube, a TED Talk thing or something. It was a not a TED Talks. It was a guy who had pancreatic cancer and he did this uh thing called the last lecture and it was oh, yeah, I've seen yeah, that. yeah yeah it's, it's very very good it's wonderful yeah it's very yeah, good so yeah. thank you shelly for touching. sending me that yeah very touching. is that because everybody around you dies uh, i think because it was very deep and intellectual and i seem like a deep intellectual sort no, of maybe it's because you, everybody around him dies you who haven't seen it it's he was a professor and he was uh diagnosed i think it's a stage four cancer pancreatic cancer yeah and yeah. he he gave a lecture of kind of life lessons and it, it is really good it's, it's been out good. there a while but mm -hmm. it's it's really good um okay so we're looking forward to meeting everyone at crime con i'm sure you'll be entertained with the colonel's uh stories of rudy and being incarcerated and being locked up and all his interesting tales um so we're looking forward to meeting everyone. I have been detained on a couple of occasions. To me, it's not like I'm Al Capone, no, for I'm just, Christ's sake. I'm just saying that uh, you tell some interesting stories. And, no, he uh, doesn't. Well, you know, when we had that lunch with Dr. Jeff and Don, his lovely wife, Don, they're very nice people, but... No, you know what? We found out Don's not all that nice because Jeff's got the man flu and she put him on a diet while he's got the man flu. Well... That's the best time. I would just say about... They're very nice, but the, the, the point is... Brandy and I didn't have to talk much. We did. We talked very. We talked very little. We talked very little. Yeah. So that's always nice. Because I got in a flat tire, so I was a little grouchy. Yeah, that was. But we had Chuck there. We and had so, Chuck. So we're depending on him, and I'm like going to hang out by Chuck. So 
you know. Well, I don't, then I don't have to I'm say I'm probably not going to do that, but, you know. Well, Jeff and Don are very conversational. They, they're they wonderful people. They're wonder, they are wonderful yeah. people. Um, okay, so let's, let's uh, talk. First, uh, before I get into the story, there is a podcast I want to give a shout-out to that um, – Apparently, Chuck, you've been listening to, and I just started. I'm, I'm behind because I was on vacation, but uh, it's called Bloody Murder. Bloody Murder, Tara. And yeah, it Tara. is Tara, and it's her husband named Barney. Is that her husband? Tara and Barney. I don't think they're married. I okay. think they're just friends. It's um, a hilarious podcast. They do true crime, but with humor, and it's so funny. So please check out Bloody Murder. If, if you, you like, do, actually, if you like history dweebs, it's, it's very much along the same lines. Yeah. If you like our show, you'll love theirs you know, because it's not only is it similar, but it's better, wouldn't you say? Um, I would say the girl Tara is much nicer than the girl we got. Wow. I mean, I'm just saying that. And she got an Australian accent. I can't do that, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So let's get on. Let's talk about Eddie. I mean, you know. Barney is no colonel for the Lord, love of God, but I mean. The girls, yeah, but it's a really funny show. So it is very funny. Bloody murder. Yeah, definitely. If you haven't subscribed to it, subscribe. Check it out. I think you'll enjoy it. Okay, so let's talk about Eddie Goodell. Uh, few men, Brandy, have made an initial splash in the world of baseball, as Eddie Goodell did in August of 1951, the year of the Colonel's birth. I was born about 20 years after that. <laughs> Not 20. Come on. 15 years. I have 16, 15, some odd All years. All right. Anyway, August 1951, picture it, Brandy. Uh, Sicily, 51. Yeah. Okay, I'm, good. I'm there. So Eddie Goodell was a uh, little beaver cleaver. He was a little there. man. He was three foot seven inches tall, and he was hired by Bill Veck, who was the owner of the then St. Louis Browns, a team that doesn't exist anymore, to be a pinch hitter. He That's appeared, a smart move. Yeah, mm-hmm. Bill Veck was, <clears throat> we'll talk about some of his antics. He was, a, he was a baseball owner, but he was a really a showman, and he was, like, uh, he was sort of like the uh, P.T. Barnum of I was going to say he was the P.T. Barnum of baseball, yeah. Yeah. So he hired uh, Eddie Goodell as a... Um, you know, as a promotion, as a as a gag, uh, he was always doing stuff like that to bring in fans because the team that he owned, the St. Louis Browns, they didn't get a they didn't draw a lot of fans. They they had a they, they were not a very good team, and they were they were in the same city as the St. Louis Cardinals, who were very popular. So he had to come up with ways to attract fans. So one of the th- ideas he had was, was to it hire a major league team. Or, yeah, major. Or league, it was a major league, major league team. So. Um, he decides back in 1951 to hire this uh, guy named Eddie Goodell, this little person, to uh, pinch it. And it was became, you know, kind of a farce, and it's a, a very popular story in sports history. But we're going to kind of look at the story behind the story, as we do here. It's so in-depth. Uh-huh. Sure. You know, we're yeah. kind of like 2020 of We're like podcasts. 2020, but yeah. completely different. Yeah. We were like the National Geographic like the National Enquirer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. People magazine. Okay. So anyway, uh, in Eddie would end up, uh, as I mentioned earlier, um, coming to a very um, sad end. His life would come to a sad end, and we'll get into that as he was murdered. But um, let's talk. There's the story. Let's talk about, uh, first of all, a little bit about Bill Veck, who was the owner who, who decided to uh, hire Eddie and make him a Major League Baseball player for one day. 
Bill Veck was the P.T. Barnum of Major League Baseball, like we said. No. In fact, his wife, Eleanor, I, I never been attracted to women named Eleanor. Uh, but Ellie. Oh. Ellie's nice. Ellie Mae Clampett. You know that now, short Eleanor, Eleanor Roosevelt was kind of hot. Yeah, in a very unattractive way. Um, Eleanor Raymond was her name. She had actually was that elephant wrangler. And horseback rider with the Ringling Brothers and Barnum and Bailey Circus. So when we say that he was the P.T. Barnum of Major League Baseball, his wife was actually an employee of P.T. Barnum's, which is interesting. Is it? Yeah, well, kind of. So Bill Vack was a master showman and promoter. During his career, he owned several minor league and major league baseball teams, including the minor league team, then the Milwaukee Brewers, their major league team now, but back then we were a minor league team. This is in the 40s, 1940s. Uh, he owned the Cleveland Indians, of course, Karen Barnes' favorite team. He owned the St. Louis Browns, where this, uh, this uh, promotion with Eddie Goodell took place. And he owned later the Chicago White Sox. As, uh, while, the owner, while being the owner and team president of the Cleveland Indians, Bill Vecht signed the second african-american player in the major leagues as you all know jackie robinson broke the color barrier in 1947 and three months later in the national league well in the major leagues and then three months later bill veck hired uh, or signed larry doby as an outfielder and he broke the color barrier in the american league so good for him no, it wasn't really a good thing because he didn't get all the notoriety. He didn't. That Jackie he, was, he was a second, but he got all the abuse that Jackie Robinson got. Yeah. <clears throat> Do you know where Branch Ricky? Branch Ricky, of course, uh, uh, is the one who signed Jackie Robinson and mm-hmm. broke the collar barrier. He was the general manager. Color. You're saying color, right? Okay. Okay. And he did it uh, for the Brooklyn Dodgers. Do you know where Branch Ricky was from? Pittsburgh, Cincinnati, Portsmouth, Ohio. My hometown. Your hometown? Yes. So, so how, did, how did Jackie Robinson understand him when he was talking to him? I don't know. <laughs> most of the teams owned by most of the teams owned by Bill Vec struggled on the field and at the gate. For example, the St. Louis Browns that he owned shared the Sportsman Park with the more successful St. Louis Cardinals. Actually, the St. Louis Browns owned the ballpark. But the Cardinals were more popular, and they would lead the league in attendance and wins. So, you know, they 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 were playing second fiddle to the to the Cardinals. Um, in fifty years of their existence, the Browns had only four winning seasons. They appeared in the World Series only one time, and that was in nineteen forty four. Uh, and it's believed the only reason why they appear, appeared in, uh, made it to the World Series that year is because most of the players, the good players in the major leagues, were off to the war, right? Yeah. And the St. Louis— Ted Williams was out fighting the war. A lot of major league players, and so it weakened the other teams. Of course, that's when you had teams scraping the bottom of the barrel. And here in Cincinnati, we had Joe Nuxall became the youngest player. 15 years old. Youngest player ever to appear. So mm-hmm. a lot of the good players were— were in uh, serving in Europe or in Japan or in Asia. And the Browns, a lot of their players, season players, were 4F. 
because <laughs> so they was physically unfit to go to the army, but they could play baseball or, or mentally unfit, unfit yeah. for the military. Yes. Mm-hmm. Today you would be a four F. You wouldn't have to worry about so the, the draft. Nineteen forty four is the oh, only good. time that the Browns made it to the World Series, and they made it to the World Series against their uh, arch nemesis, the St. Louis Cardinals, and of course they lost. Right. The Cardinals were more popular. They were better. And that's the only time that they, uh, a World Series was played in one single ballpark in 1944. After that, um, one year, the Browns, you know, really went downhill. And they started struggling at the, at the gate and at, in the standings. Um, they became, uh, the only thing notable that happened to the Browns after that, between 1944 and 1951 is they became they signed a one-arm player yes outfielder they're uh, like they're like the lefty. Cleveland Browns yeah his name was Pete Gray uh he played the outfield and he's the only one-arm major league position player there was a pitcher I can't Jim remember. Abbott yeah Jim Abbott you're right I remember him yeah mm-hmm. Uh, who pitched, but the only position player, Pete Gray, played for the Browns. Anyway. Jim Abbott hit a home run one time, Timmy. Yeah. One-handed yeah. player. Yeah, he was he was actually a very good player. Uh, in 1951, Bick, Bill Veck, uh, who had owned uh, the Indians, decided uh, to sell the Indians, and he bought the Browns from owner Bill DeWitt. And Bill DeWitt has been active. His, that DeWitt family has been active in baseball for many years. They, I believe they were part owner of the Reds at one point. It may still be. I don't know. Uh, they were back in the at least in the 60s. yeah in the sixties, but I don't believe they were after the one March after the March yeah. era. So in St. Louis, um, going now that he had the he bought the Browns, he knew he had to do things to attract um, fans because the Cardinals were a much more popular team, and they they drew people you know followed them because they were a winning team. So he had come up with some really crazy promotions and wild antics um, that um, made uh, would lead to Bill Vec being loved by many and loathed by others, sort of like me. <laughs> uh, he had baseball players participate in sack races. You ever been in a sack race, Brandy? That, and that's not a race to jump in bed. Yeah, she, I understand. She won a few of those. <laughs> I understand. Well, if I'm sleeping, you're goddamn right I did. Uh, but, the, you know, sack races where you're racing in a brown burlap sack or whatever. Right. Then they'd have three-legged races. They had cow milking contests. Oh, the good old cow milking contest. Yeah. All these things were, you know, uh, done to attract players. They had one promotion where they put 100 pairs of shoes in the middle of the baseball diamond, and only two were mates, and the players would – run out and race out and try to find the mates and the first player who got them would win $50. So, you know, now of course this was before the multi-million dollar contracts yeah. players wouldn't even, you know, uh, walk across the, uh, diamond for 50 bucks. But back then it was, you know, they were supplementing their income with these crazy antics. He was the, uh, Bill Beck was the first baseball owner to implement promotional giveaways like, you know, we have that now. Bobblehead night. Bobblehead nights. He came up with free bat night, free ball night, free pickles. Nice. Free lobsters, uh, free hot dogs and ice cream. He gave away plates, television sets. Uh, he had free tuxedo rent tuxedo night. 
He gave away pigs, mice, eels, pigeons, ducks. Hold on, hold on. He gave away eels? Yes. <laughs> How in the hell did he I, give away eels? I, did, I mean, did he put them in a little tank? Or I, did, I mean, did you just get an eel when I, you walked in? I don't, I don't know. First 30 people <laughs> yeah, in the door. First 30, yeah. <laughs> And I wouldn't even want a pigeon. He gave away <laughs> pigeons and ducks. Well, I can see getting you know, a pigeon, a pigeon to be no, fun you'll, to like, you'll like this one. The, and he's probably his most famous was they one time gave away 50,000 nuts and bolts to a oh. one lucky contestant. Oh. Yes. <laughs> you know, you can't have too many nuts and bolts. No, I guess not. I got, a, I got in my garage a whole drawer of nuts and bolts. And I'm always going through there just looking for a nut. Well, you would... <laughs> <laughs> that figures. Anybody see my nuts? <laughs> Come down here. Look at my nuts. <laughs> well, you wouldn't have loved that giveaway had you been present at the time. Among his other promotions, Colonel, was Kazoo Night. Yes. Every <laughs> parent's Oh, my God. That sounds awful. Every parent's favorite night. Which uh, uh, each person was, giving, uh, was given a kazoo and was encouraged to play along with the Star Spangled Banner and take me out to the ball game. That seems a little disrespectful to me. Yeah, I don't think it would go over well now. There was Ladies' Nights. He was the first one to come up with Ladies' Nights. Teachers' Night. Cabbie Night. Would be, I guess, Uber Night now. Bartender Night. And they even have, Shirley Strap would like this, Squirrel Night, where you can bring your pet squirrel to the ballpark. <laughs> Hey, this okay. is a true story. Tanner, of course uh, it is. Shirley would like this. The other day, Tanner is walking down through a neighborhood in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Squirrel comes right up to him. Right. I mean, he's got it on film. I'll, I'll show it to you to prove it. Squirrel comes right up to him and climbs up his leg. Ugh. Climbed up his leg. And the neighbor, the person that lived in the house right there said, oh, that's it's kind of the neighborhood pet squirrel. It likes people. It used to be fed by the neighbors, and they give it peanuts. Do they th- or those things get rabies? Yes. Nah, occasionally they can, but they don't usually. So the dangerous so thing. So now about, all of a sudden he's a squirrel fucking expert. I'm gonna tell you this. This is what I know about possums and squirrels, and because Rudy just killed a possum the other night. Um, possums and squirrels do not live long after they're bit by something that's infected with rabies. Now, raccoons, on the other hand, and bats can give, live a long time with rabies. That's why they're more dangerous than the other, other animals. Because a possum gets bit by a rabid animal, it's going to be dead in a day or two. But a raccoon, it can wander around for six weeks or so with the rabies. Okay. So just so our listeners, the more you know this. Thank listeners, you, Wild Kingdom. Jesus know. Christ. What, you didn't know that? Merlin. I don't care. Well, you're worried about every possum you see and having rabies or whatnot. Squirrels I just having that rabies. They do. So on a squirrel night, you could bring your squirrel, and you know, I'm not. I'm sure not too many people have pet squirrels. Is that maybe Shirley? Um, but they also released fifty squirrels on the field in between <laughs> doubleheaders. <laughs> yes. I bet that went well. And players would chase them with butterfly nets, and for each squirrel the players bagged, they would receive fifty bucks. So. Nice. Did they ever have hooker night? <laughs> no, that's a thought. I would have hooker night. The first 200 hookers are free. So, uh, but in 1951, so he's coming up with all these promotions, but they're still having problems getting people to the ballpark. But, you know, he's an innovative guy, and he's he was like this throughout his career. Um, 
But in early uh, 1951, he came up with one of his most crazy ideas, and that was he was going to sign a dwarf to a baseball contract. Sure. Now, being that the dwarf would be very short... <laughs> As dwarfs tend to be. Yeah. Right. Um, they Huge would ha- midgets. <laughs> yeah. They would have a very limited strike zone, which means he could put the uh, little person... Uh, uh, having pinch hit, and it would be very difficult for a pitcher to throw a strike. So he come up with this uh, brainstorm. But, of course, you know, the if you know anything about baseball, um, the, the, the uh, commissioner's office and the league president's office tends to be very conservative. They're very stodgy people yeah. in there, Timmy. So he had to come up with a way how to get this by the um, – by the uh, by, the league without um, without bringing attention to it. So, uh, but first he had to find the perfect little person. Okay, so that's that's when we get to Eddie Goodell. Eddie Carl Goodell was born on June the eighth, nineteen twenty five, in Chicago. He was the second of three children, born to his parents Carl and Helen Goodell. Eddie's father Carl was born in Lithuania and immigrated to the United States in 1902, settling in Chicago. Um, Helen Goodell, his mother, was from New York, and she was both her parents were Polish. Uh, the Goodells were married in 1919. They had three kids. Carl supported his family by selling shoes at a department store. So he was like kind of like the guy He was Al Bundy. Al he was Bundy. Geppetto. Yeah. Not Geppetto. Geppetto made shoes and little boys. Al Bundy sold shoes. So around uh, the time Eddie turned three years old, his parents noticed that his growth was stunted. Oh, jeez. Um, they didn't know if it was a thyroid problem or some av- other abnormality. Was he smoking cigarettes? I, I don't know. He grew. Is that a stunt he, he grew to the height of. So was masturbation, right? <laughs> I don't know. Does it? I don't know. Well, like, well, are are pr- you playing basketball? Yeah. <laughs> you're kind of a little guy. <laughs> I'm not a little guy. You're not. You know. You're not slam dunking anything. <laughs> I'm not dunking. You're not. You're not playing for the, the Cabs over there, Colonel. No, but I'm having fun, Timmy. <laughs> you are. Clo- you are closer to the ground than you really should be. Anyway, uh, he grew, uh, uh, Eddie grew to a maximum height of 43 inches, which is seven uh, feet, seven inches, three feet, seven three inches. Feet seven, yeah. Three feet, seven. Three feet, seven. And he ra- weighed approximately 65 pounds. Um, his parents and his siblings were all of normal statue, stature. As a consequence of his height, uh, Eddie was continually picked on and taunted as a child. You know, kids are some mean motherfuckers there. Yeah. The incidents often escalated in fistfights and other maltreatment. Um, despite the taunting and abuse, Eddie uh, persevered and graduated from high school. Yay. Go, Eddie. And I'll tell you what. You don't want to take on a dwarf because those people, just because they're little, don't, don't underestimate them. See, I think there's a difference between midgets and dwarfs. I think dwarfs are not proportioned. And I think little people are proportion. Look that up on your phone. I'm going to look that up. Okay. Difference so, so between anyway, midget and dwarf. See how I got him to stop talking, Brandy? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So anyway, um, 
Uh, Eddie had a little chip on his shoulder growing <laughs> up, let's say. Probably just a tiny chip. Yeah, but, you know, he was bullied, <laughs> right? So um, he was a little insecure and combative about his height. Uh, he would often get in fights at local bars. He liked to drink, too. He started drinking at a pretty young age. And he would get in fights when uh, people would call him half pint. Apparently, he did not he did like, not like half pint. No. Um, so once he was in a bar, and, and men uh, in his neighborhood, and men were making fun of him at the bar, and Eddie got pissed off. So he jumps on top of the pool table and started, starts to swing a cue stick at these three guys making fun of him. Hold he, on. You got, you got a midget on a pool, on a pool yeah, table? Yeah. Well, you know, pool kiss. table, like they, you know, <laughs> See, you, you, if seen you're a midget, shit. if you jump on a pool table. <laughs> it's a great equalizer. It, it really right. is. Especially if you're yielding a cue stick. <laughs> I've seen some shit in my day. I ain't never seen a crazed midget on a pool table swinging well, a pool cue. <laughs> so Annie takes his cue stick and he hits this guy over the head with it, in the face with it. And it, re- it requiring several stitches. But when he hit, there's these three guys that are tormenting him. He hits one of them, and that guy's out, right? <laughs> and he's bleeding. But Eddie's sitting there with half a cue stick because he broke it on this guy's face. Uh, but that didn't deter Eddie. He picked up cue balls and started throwing them at the other <laughs> man. You don't want to get hit with those balls either. No, they're, they're very all right. So these guys start. These guys ran from the bar, and uh, of course, you know all the all the other patrons were laughing at the sight of all this. So Eddie was not someone to be fucked with. That's what I mean. Yeah. You, you, anybody who's been picked on their whole life, it's sometime they're going to have these little explosions. Really. And you don't want to be really. In- <laughs> yeah. Can't wait to see that when that happens. Um, That's what, did you get picked on someone you were young? Because you tend to blow up. Roll today. I know. If I if the next podcast I bring a cue stick. <laughs> All right, back. Let's make, let's go back to Eddie. I like him. He also did not like to travel. He was not a, tra- a traveler. Brandy. Okay. He was feeling at ease. It, it almost sounded like he, he had, could travel it, in luggage. It almost sounded <laughs> like he had like autism walk a mile in his shoes or something <laughs> where he needed like routine. Yeah. I don't. OCD? I don't. I, he wasn't OCD? diagnosed or yeah. anything, but it sounded like he needed his familiar routine. Because later on, he gets offers to even be in movies and stuff. He turns them down because he has to travel. But anyway, he was able to find employment in a variety of fields because of his unique uh, stature. He was an errand boy at a local newspaper. Timmy, just to interrupt you. There is no difference between a midget and a dwarf. It's just midgets considered a derogatory slur okay okay but isn't dwarfism something about isn't there something related it has to, something to do with proportion yeah, yeah. dwarfs are proportionately uh proportion everywhere okay like they would uh okay so would a dwarf had have a regular size penis no they'd have a small penis they would have a regular size penis to me scrotum not sure about scrotum all right we like to be precise. Haven't you ever seen midget porn? Yeah, I think maybe. But I, I really didn't really. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact. You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. 
United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm lip fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Pay attention to the size or anything. That's uh, the whole point of midget porn. What, the different sizes? To see, what, see what's going on. See what's going on I, I've that. just seen Bridget the Midget. It's the only one I've ever seen. You know what I always wonder about her? Where does it go? I mean, mm-hmm. is the thing poking her in the lungs? What's it doing? I don't know. I don't know. She seems happy. She does seem happy. She wears those little black combat boots. <laughs> whatever, whatever gets you there. Anyway, uh, so Eddie found uh, uh, different types of jobs. He worked at a local newspaper. He uh, he was a uh, performed in circuses, rodeos, and other entertainment venues. Uh, during the Second World War, Brandy he worked as a riveter, crawling into plane engines and wings. Another like location, another locations where bigger bigger people could not fit. Like Rosie the Riveter. Yeah, except he was Eddie the Riveter, I guess. Why well, it doesn't have the same ring? No, he was also a professional performer, and he belonged to the American Guild of Variety Artists (AGVA). I'm not sure if that's still around anymore, but anyway, so he's doing. A, you know, he's trying to take advantage of his. He was. Uh, he. Uh, he before he his uh, baseball became before he became a baseball player, um, he was the pitch man for Mercury Records. He was known as the Mercury Man, Colonel. The Mercury Man. Yeah. So anyway, um, he had this really spiffy hat that he wore, and he he was kind of known in the area around Chicago for um, promoting Mercury Records. So anyway, um, let's get to the, his venture into baseball. So Bill Vec, owning the Browns, he's looking for this, he has this idea to put a midget in a major league game. He's looking for the right one. He sends out, you know, he sends out some of his promotional people to find him. They have a hard time finding someone who fits Bill Vec's vision of a baseball player, midget baseball player. Uh, But in the end, they find Eddie Goodell. So, uh, the team, in 1951, the Browns were in dead last in attendance and in the standings. Um, so he chose the 50-year history of the American League, and they had a birthday party. 
uh, at the ballpark. They brung out this big cake, and guess who popped out of the cake, Brandy? Eddie. Eddie Goodell. Mm, he did. Cool. Seems like a disappointment. Yes. So no, that was his that first. That wouldn't be a disappointment. I would love to have a midget jump out of my birthday cake. So that was his first appearance at the ballpark, but he, he was jump just. out of a cupcake. <laughs> Remember when women used to jump out of cakes? They would yeah. have these things, and women. Would why don't they do? Why is that not a thing anymore? I don't know. Why is that kind not? Of, that's fucking cakes expensive. But they weren't even real cakes. They were just cardboard paper things, and you could get somebody hot expensive. to jump out. And then I think they came in service to do whatever. I don't think so. Nah, I think they just. Timmy, stopped. Timmy. What? What? She crunched your pretzels. She's queen. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? The girl's oh, eating pretzels in the middle of a show? Yeah. <laughs> Dude, every time I criticize one of you guys, I catch out. I'm not saying a word. <laughs> People want to listen to her eat pretzels. Can you hear me? Knock yourself out. No, I can't. I didn't know. I didn't know. You I heard the crunching in my headphones. It was it sent a chill down my spine. It was like nails on a chalkboard. It was not as bad as his kazoo. <laughs> well, no. All right. So anyway, back to Eddie. So uh, Bill Vack gets his has a publicity man named Bob Fischel, Fischel, to find the right candidate. They find Eddie, who's 26 years old at the time, living in Chicago, pitch man for Mercury Records. Okay, so he comes in. He jumps out of this cake for the 50th anniversary of the American League, but that is just the start of his career in baseball. Uh, Bill Vack then. Uh, decides, uh, as we said, he's going to use Eddie Goodell as a pinch hitter. Now, the American League president at the time was a guy named Will Hardridge, and he was a no-nonsense type of guy, and he would never agree to let a midget play in Major League Baseball. A little person, sorry. Seems discriminatory. Um Because it would, he would, you know, what he, were he really was good. really big on the integrity of the game. So he what was not— they were good. Yeah, he was not go- he 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 would not go for it. So what they did, they had to get the a contract approved by the uh, American League front office. So they smuggled Eddie into the Chase Hotel in St. Louis. They put him under blankets and smuggled him into the hotel where they because they want to keep this under wraps. <laughs> under wraps, under the blanket, under the blanket. Um, so they signed him to a contract, and they sent the contract to the American League on a Friday afternoon. Oh, yeah. So and nobody reading that. No one's reading it. They yeah. they rubber stamp it, and so <clears throat> it's pretty much like here. After Wednesday afternoon, nobody paying attention. Yeah, that's yeah. yeah. So they they approve the contract without really knowing that Eddie is only you know three feet seven inches. So. They then have to get a uniform for Eddie. So Bill De- DeWitt Jr., remember I said that he used to own the, the Browns? Mm-hmm. He had a nine-year-old son, and they used uh, him to help. They used one of his uniforms to put on Eddie. And the number on the back of the jersey was six, but they changed it to one-eighth. What? So, oh, that makes so, sense. Seems yeah. wrong. Yeah. Now, when the scorecards and things came out before the game started, it looked like it was number 18, so no one really noticed it, mm-hmm. but it was really 1-8. So Brandy is going to tell us about the uh, famous at-bat, and then uh, we'll get into uh, the murder that happens a little bit later on in his life. 
So they in a pregame in a pregame strategy session, Vec ordered Goodell to squat low at the plate without swinging, so he could draw a walk. Duh. Uh, Goodell crouched, wielding a toy bat, and displaying a strike zone described as one and a half inches in height. That's pretty small. That is a little bitty strike zone. That's smaller How than a baseball. Yeah. That's smaller than a baseball. You know what the pitcher should have done? Hit him. Just drilled him right <laughs> in the head. Little Tim music. <laughs> yeah, just <laughs> popped him right in his little tiny head. Well, uh, he had a regular size head. <laughs> by, by game time, Goodell, a showman himself, was revved up for the performance. He was swinging the bat and getting in his role. Vec and crew became worried that the unlikely ball player would set aside the plans and try and hit. <laughs> Do not swing. Yeah. That's what they used to tell me when I would get up to the plate. Just stand there, hope somebody yeah. hits you with a pitch. <laughs> Once a Maybe similar, they'll walk you. <laughs> Maybe they'll walk you. Do whatever. Just stand there. Once a similar stint was tried in a minor league game, and the midget actually hit the ball, and it took almost a minute and a half for the player to reach first base. <laughs> Why didn't they throw the little fucker out? What were they doing? I think they did from like left field. Well, yeah, but he—that wasn't the purpose. He wanted him to walk, so he was like, "Do not swing, Bill Vec." Well, to ensure that Goodell would not try to swing at the pitch, Vec half-heartedly joked, half-jokingly told Eddie that he had a, a sniper stationed in the bleachers. <laughs> See, you know, and that- would shoot Eddie if he tried to swing at a pitch. <laughs> That's actually what my when I played in high school. That's uh, what my coach told me that he would actually shoot me from the dugout if dude. I swung. If we had this rule, because I was not a very good hitter back then, Timmy. Mm-hmm. Back then, and, uh, he's gotten much better with age. <laughs> yeah, I had to have yeah, two it, strikes it on me. Late. I had to take two. I had to wait till I had two strikes till I could swing at a pitch. Uh-huh. It was just take, take, take until uh-huh. they got two strikes. Right. I hope they walked you. I had a guy, it was, it was this guy who eventually signed him uh, professionally and then he got hurt, but he was so much better than everyone else. The, the coach actually had a home run signal that he would mm-hmm. give to him when he wanted him to hit a home run. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Okay. Are we all right? Yeah, I'm sorry. We had a little baseball chatter there. I apologize. It was. It was sorry to get chatter. off topic. Yeah, but so, uh, so he tells, he tells Goodell, yeah, yeah, he's, he's got a sniper up in, the, up in the upper deck, and he's going to shoot him if he swings <laughs> the at the pitch. Deck. In the famous picture of his at-bat, Goodell actually stands somewhat erect, expanding, <laughs> I know, <laughs> expanding his strike zone. Well, it, well, if he's erect, it's going to expand. This probably concerned Vec and the others involved who may have feared for his safety. I don't think they feared for his fucking he got, safety. Um, he got, I think it expanded to something like three inches. He oh, he got to the plate, <laughs> he got to the plate, and all of a sudden he thought he was Joe DiMaggio. Yeah. And so he started standing like Joe DiMaggio. <laughs> he, he was getting the character. Uh, let's see. Goodell was given a contract for $15,400, which came out to $100 for the day. Minimum scale wage for a midget act. What? Yeah, he got a hundred dollars out of the bottom line. He got a fifteen thousand con, uh, fifteen thousand dollar contract, but they they avoided. They were only going to keep they, him they, for a day. Yeah, they were only. It was only for a day. The so minimum they, scale wage for a midget act. Yeah, midgets <laughs> well, ain't cheap. Midgets ain't. Midgets, evidently, they are. Midgets be testifying. Oh, they will. <laughs> Goodell waived the normal thirty day clause that guaranteed severance after he was released. Vec also took out a million-dollar life insurance policy on Goodell in case something went 
awry. Oh, that would be bad. Since it was valid. <laughs> nothing it, worse than having a dead midget. It's a PR nightmare. Well, <laughs> since it was only valid for one day, since it was only valid for one day, the insurance policy only cost VEC a dollar fifty. Oh, uh, that's not bad. No. Well, you know. Call Geico. You gotta get Geico. I wonder if they got a midget discount. I don't know. They've got that little... Um, a little person discount. No, they got that little uh, gecko. Yeah. yeah. Got, him, yeah. got him a pri- Or a flow. They flow should've. got him a deal. All right. <laughs> he should have so, just... So, like, like Tim said, just to recap what Tim said here in this, since it was the weekend, Goodell's contract wouldn't be reviewed by the American League office before Monday at the earliest... So the league office rubber-stamped the contract without reviewing it. Between games of a doubleheader on Sunday, doubleheader, Sunday, August 19th. <laughs> <laughs> you had, your mind automatically went there, didn't you? I know. Uh, let's see. Sunday, August 19th, 1951, Vec had a 7-foot birthday cake wheeled onto the field. Goodell popped out to the joy of the crowd. Detroit Tigers pitcher Bob Kane took the mound in the bottom of the first inning and warmed up. Browns manager Zach Taylor then signaled for a pinch hitter. Goodell, Goodell in for outfielder Frank Saucier. As you ever been pinch hit for by a midget? <laughs> I wonder what that does <laughs> yeah. for your ego. As Goodell strode to the plate. Picture that. Yeah. I guess it's better than losing a girlfriend. <laughs> yeah. Or getting chased out of a bar by a midget. <laughs> yeah. Well, as Goodell strode to the plate. Umpire Ed Hurley turned around and yelled, what the hell? (laughs) Taylor presented Goodell's contract to the umpire, and after some confusion and all-around amusement, Hurley called for the pitch. Because of his crouch, Eddie Goodell's strike zone was now, like we said before, about an inch and a half. Pitcher Bob Kane could not stop laughing and had to call timeout between pitches to pull himself together. Kane's catcher, Bob Swift, walked to the mound and told Kane to keep the pitches low. Well, good job. <laughs> well, you almost have That's to. the mark of a good catcher. <laughs> yeah. Jesus. You man. know, there's something, and I don't know what it is, and I don't mean to be insensitive. I don't mean to be whatever. Oh, good. I always like what comes after this. When he's insensitive, people love him. Every time I see a midget, I laugh. Every time I see a midget, I laugh. And one day we was out here, this is back when I smoked, and we were standing out front, and I seen a midget walk in, and I just, I had to laugh. But then I walked up to the front of the building and walked in the door. And as I walked in, two more midgets was approaching me on the sidewalk. And I was thinking, Jesus Christ, did Barnum and Bailey just lay off a bunch of people? Or what did they do here? You got three midgets. You got a party. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you got something going on when you got three midgets. Wow. <laughs> Wherever three midgets are gathered, there's a circus. <laughs> I mean, I was just wow. wondering what was going to happen there. But I had to turn around and walk away because there's something inherently wrong with me that well, midgets make me laugh. They uh, just make me laugh. No, there's something Snakes make me all shaky and scared, but midgets make I me think, laugh. I think most people enjoy a good midget. <laughs> so Goodell was a right-hander. He walked on four pitches and hammed it up as he jogged down to the first ba- down to first base. Jim Delsing was sent in to pinch run. They didn't let the little guy run for himself? Well, it would have taken all day. (laughs) Goodell ran off the field to a standing ovation from the 18,000 fans in attendance. The whole affair was nearly botched when when all the commotion, the team forgot to alert the photographers that something special would be happening in the second game. 
When Goodell came to the plate, uh, plate only one cameraman from the St. Louis Post-Dispatch was present. Vec had tipped off the paper's reporter, Bob Brogue. Uh, that explains why there are so few pictures of the event. Yeah, the I think there's just one. I think it's such a mm-hmm. one picture. The aftermath shook baseball. Well, Jesus, if that's all it takes to shoot ba- shook baseball. Baseball's a stodgy sport. Yeah, they, they love their traditions. Yeah, yeah very yeah. conservative. Well, you got Babe Ruth who can't keep his dick out of anything. He's 350 <laughs> pounds. Ty Cobb used to kill people. <laughs> yeah. They asked Eddie after his at bat, you know, how he got a standing ovation and asking how he felt. And he says, I feel like Babe Ruth. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Uh, while many found the incident... R-O-O-T. Yes. <laughs> it's like Babers Dick was there. <laughs> huh. Now I'm pinching Babe Ruth's Babe cock. Huh. That's fucking awesome. So, God. Now God There's a it. story here. I believe Babe me. Ruth, We're getting Babe, there. Babe Ruth was a... Very famous baseball player. Who the player. fuck are you talking to? You, I just, just I'm so you know. I'm the one who brought up Babe Ruth, you dumb son of a okay. bitch. <laughs> Jesus why Christ. Why are you like that, devil? I'm just trying to help you out with Do baseball. Not fucking mansplain ball to me. <laughs> I cannot. She actually paid college ball. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I, yeah, I can actually. I, here's the thing. I actually hit, which means <laughs> I can beat the fuck out of you with a ball bat in about three swings. You actually got into a game. <laughs> Yeah, well, I did, did that, too. All right, so. It's not the only thing she got into. Did they use the uh, face guards when you were playing? No. No, no we a, had to suck it up. If you took one to the nose, you took <laughs> one to the nose. It's a thing now, I know. Oh, like I know. Yeah. Uh, let's see. While many found the incident amusing, about as many were offended. American League President Will Horridge voided Goodell's contract two days later, citing the best interest of baseball. To milk the publicity, Bill Veck became indignant and claimed in the press that the Yankee all-star shortstop and fan favorite Phil Rizzuto was nothing more than a tall midget. (laughs) Rizzuto was 5'6". That's some bullshit right there. It is. Eddie Goodell played along, claiming to be the wronged party. He blasted Horridge for ruining his chance at a baseball career. Eddie even bemoaned the fact that baseball didn't have a commissioner to appeal to as Happy Chandler had recently left office. Yeah, so they only had the American League president, and he was having no part of it. I'm sorry. No. I had something to add. I was just going to say, they actually uh, struck his at-bat from the record book um, as to pretend it never happened, but a year later they reinstated it. So he's officially in the record book. Um, The following spring, seven midgets from Hollywood showed up at the Browns camp (laughs) and asked for a tryout. And you could lead the league in walks if you're (laughs) really not a bad idea. The club's new manager, Rogers Hornsby, evidently had a stick up his ass and wouldn't allow them to suit up. Eddie Goodell capitalized. They probably didn't have uniforms for him. Capitalized on his instant. I'm sure there was a little league team running around there (laughs) that would help him out. Eddie Goodell capitalized on his instant fame. He appeared on radio and television shows and made personal appearances. Within a few weeks, he had raked in a substantial seventeen thousand dollars. That was a lot of money back. That was a lot of yes, nineteen fifty. A lot of lettuce. Fifty one. Over the years, he appeared at ballparks during promotional stunts. On September 6, nineteen fifty one, a few weeks after his initial at bat, Goodell again strode to the plate for a fee during an amateur game in Sycamore, Illinois. 
He took two quick called strikes. Somebody called strikes on him. <laughs> took two quick called strikes. It's a bullshit there. Yeah. Berating the umpire for both. <laughs> the pitcher balked and threw another pitch, which Goodell swung at and missed. He left the plate trash talking the umpire. <laughs> Throughout the year, throughout the following year, I wonder if he had one of those, those squeaky midget voices. I, I don't know. <laughs> he's got a voice like. Hey, you yeah. Wait, well, probably kicked dirt on the umpire's <laughs> ankle. He's got a voice like Ving Rhames. Poor Eddie. That wasn't a strike. Let's see. Throughout the following years, Goodell found work uh, because of his fame. He served as the Buster Brown shoe man, Aww. <laughs> appearing at shoe store openings in Chicago and St. Louis. Isn't that little sailor outfit? (laughs) Eddie also landed a gig with the Ringling Brothers Circus and did promotional work for Mercury Records. He could have made a lot more money, but he refused to travel extensively. Hollywood directors wanted him to appear in movies, and Mercury Records wanted him to tour California, but Goodell wouldn't go. Eddie did reappear for Vec a couple more times. On May 26, 1959, Goodell and three other little people landed in a helicopter at Kaminsky Park. Yeah, this is when Vec owned the White Sox. They emerged dressed as Martians and carrying (laughs) ray guns. (laughs) They ran to the dugout and captured diminutive middle infielder (laughs) Nellie Fox and Louie Aparicio Aparicio, and took them to home plate for a ceremony. And clearly some <laughs> animal probing. No, and the funny thing is Nellie Fox or um, um, Eddie Goodell says uh, um, to Nellie Fox, don't take me to your leader. I've already met him, meaning <laughs> Bill Vec. Oh, geez. On April 19, 1961, two months before his death, Goodell and several other little people worked as box seat vendors at Kaminsky Park. That's a smart colonel. Vec hired them after hearing complaints that his usual vendors were too tall and blocking the view of some of the fans. Oh, so you get the little tiny guy in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah that was that's smart, smart thinking. All right, now let's let's get to his demise. Well, could we get to the meeting? It of didn't all end happily for Eddie. That's what I heard. He was murdered. You ruined the ending. He gave it away. <laughs> that was my money shot. He gave, well, I do not want your money shot. That's for goddamn sure. You took my money shot, Devil. I don't think shot, Renee wants his money shot either. <laughs> well, most, I think most of the time his money shot ends up in <laughs> tissue. Or on the dog. <laughs> most of the time. I hope not. My money shot's just a check. <laughs> you put something on it? Yeah. Yeah. Post-date All right, check. to the murder, Colonel. To the murder. Despite his fame, Eddie struggled with the way some people treated him, mixed with his perceptions of imaginary slights and offenses. Two weeks after appearing on the Diamond for the Browns, he was arrested for disorderly conduct in Cincinnati. There we go. Well, we got that in common. <laughs> Where he was. <laughs> See? Well, that and you're both little people. <laughs> yeah, I am not. I'm five foot ten inches tall. Why you keep calling me a little person? Because you're not five he was, foot ten. I'm every bit of five foot ten. Every bit. Almost. I, I, I'm five Your foot ass ten is and five a quarter, foot ten. Actually. Whatever. Where he was performing Your in ass. a rodeo. Eddie had verbally abused some policemen after they mistakenly asked why a little boy was out so late at night. Yes. So he got into it with a cop here in Cincinnati. Yeah. Eddie Everybody was... gets into it, the cops here in Cincinnati. Yeah, but the difference was today you would be shot. <laughs> that is the difference. Eddie was combative, especially after drinking, which became more and more prevalent. 
He continued to engage in fights and altercations. One relative. I wonder if you get drunk quicker if you're a midget. I wonder if you're in the group. If you're 65 pounds. If you're in the group and Eddie Eddie Goodell starts fighting, do you just pick him up and throw? Do you beat people (laughs) with him? That's how dwarfs toss. Do you beat people with him? Like dwarf toss. Dwarf toss him out the door. That or just grab him by his ankles and start swinging. Yeah. Well, he, he, he could be a weapon. I'm telling you. Well, one one relative described him as having beer muscles. It didn't help that he worked as a beer bartender at the local midget club, locally famous I midget club. No, they had a midget club here. <laughs> Me either. Tell me it's here. <clears throat> no, it's in Chicago. Damn it, South Side of Chicago. I'm, I'm sure they don't have midget clubs. That's where Bad Badly Roy Brown's from. Eddie yeah. lived at home with his. And also, isn't um, uh, what's the other guy? Not Bad Badly Roy Brown, but the other guy, the other uh, bad guy, Jim. Yeah, from the me- south side yeah, of Chicago. Don't mess around with don't Jim. Don't mess around with Jim. You can spit into the wind. All of the, well, tug on Superman's cape. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, see, okay. I, I just can't. I, yeah, I, Do you want to hear about Eddie's murder yeah. or not? Yeah, yeah, let's get to Eddie's demise. Eddie lived at home with his indigent mother and brother in an apartment in the south side of Chicago. Eddie sounds like a <clears> cocksucker <throat> that needed to go anyway. <laughs> yeah. Well, he stuck close to home and said he was said to be very fond of his mama. His health was failing due to high blood pressure and enlarged heart and advanced case of syphilis. No, there was no syphilis, but get back to the point. point, Do you get drunk quicker if you're a midget? You're only 65 pounds, yeah. Yes. All right. It's based on body weight, not, he So he he really cleaned up. But he had an enlarged heart. It wouldn't take him long to get drunk. And his liver is probably fucked. And the drinking didn't help. Now, although most baseball fans are familiar with Eddie's at famous at bat, a much popular, less popular subject is the death of Eddie. Nearly 10 years later after his famous at bat with the St. Louis Browns on June 18, 1961 in Chicago, Eddie's mom found him in bed in his apartment on that date. Eddie had a bruise and cuts near his left eye and bruises and cuts on his knee. And he was deader than a doornail to me. Oh, poor Eddie. The coroner's report concluded that Eddie had died of a heart attack. (laughs) Probably caused by the trauma of somebody whipping his ass and the physical combat involved. Well, you know, when when you are the weapon. (laughs) Yeah, they was beating him against... So they don't, the only fact ascertained by the police in their brief look at the case was that Eddie Goodell had gone to a nearby bowling alley the previous evening where he probably had too much to drink and probably got into an argument. He left it alone about 10 o'clock. His apartment was only five minutes away. Eddie was known to take a shortcut through, by walking through an alley close to his home. It appears he was at the alley when he encountered an assailant on his way home Aww. to me. Poor Eddie. Witnesses later described hearing some shouting, a dog barking, metal cans thrashing about. It was a brutal, brutal fight. The little guy put up quite a fight, but he got beat. So despite these reports, there was no evaluation performed on Eddie's blood contents in this sketchy postmortem. Sketchy. I like that sketchy. word, Timmy. Yeah. Postmortem that followed. His mother found him lying in bed, dead. He had bruises on the knees and on the left side of his face, and then Quest said he had a heart attack. Um, almost everything about his death had been concluded by the Chicago police from Eddie Goodell's reputation as a heavy drinker and all-around asshole. See, I think I think a lot of times police don't investigate murders 
Well, and, just, and I think on the books, this only counted as half a homicide. Jimmy. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe one-eighth of a homicide. Maybe. I had a cousin who died, and, and he fell down some stairs, and I swear I think he was murdered, but I think the police just, I think a lot of times police just write it off, you know, unless, unless there's, like, family or someone involved mm-hmm. that's going to. I had a cousin get shot in the face sitting on a bar stool. Well, I mean, that's obviously suicide. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, obviously homicide there. Yeah. But, I mean, you know, I think sometimes when it could go either way, it's just easier to close the books. And it sounds like they, what they did with Eddie. Yeah, I don't think they ever really looked for who shot my cousin. Um, since money was missing, the Chicago Police Department concluded that Eddie had been attacked and robbed, but that he was able to make it home before collapsing and dying. He was a brave little trooper. Oh. The evidence of missing money is not spelled out as a missing wallet, nor do police reports jump out and say how that they even knew how much cash Eddie had on him. Several people at the bowling Eddie alley. Was a baller. <clears throat> oh, Eddie was a baller. Shot he was baller. like you probably carried fourteen thousand dollars in cash around when you got time. There, walking down to the bowling alley. Now several people at the bowling alley were interviewed and mentioned seeing two strangers drinking and making fun of Eddie. Eddie threatened to hit one with a bowling pin. <laughs> Eddie didn't take no shit. No, he didn't. (laughs) Now, because of his (laughs) reputation, the Chicago Police Department declined to investigate the death of Eddie any further. It appears Eddie's reputation of being combative was grounds for letting someone off. Oh, someone got away with murder. Now, Eddie died nearly 66 years ago. It'll be next month. It'll be 66 years. It's unlikely his uh, assailant. It's likely his assailant's been dead for a long time, Timmy. Yeah. But the point is simple. Someone got away with... Murder. In the case of Eddie Goodell, because the Chicago Police Department were just not interested in pursuing this case. Eddie was laid to rest on June 20, 1961. Only a few family members attended the funeral. Uh-huh. They got one of those little orange crates, put him in it, and dug a tiny little hole for his tiny little ass. It was and, like a uh, time capsule. <laughs> yeah. They only had to dig a three foot. Di- oh, it, it was only three Eddie. feet deep. No. They didn't go to full six feet. Bob Kane, who was the player who uh, was a pitcher. who was a pitcher on the mound for that at bat, was the only person from baseball to attend the funeral. Aww. Eddie was interred at St. Mary's Catholic Cemetery and Mausoleum in Cook County, Illinois. I know right where that's at. Yeah, I, of course I, you do. Bob Kane, they they interviewed him. He said he felt obligated to go. He thought because he was part of the, you know, he was part of that at bat, and he felt obligated that someone from baseball should attend. Well, his autograph, Timmy, is due to its scarcity. He was only 36. Due mm-hmm. to his scarcity, his autograph now sells for more than Babe Ruth's. Wow. Babe Ruth is a baseball player, devil. So Famous if you got an Eddie Goodell <clears throat> autograph, you got, you, got, you got something worth something. Bill Vex sold the St. Louis Browns after the 1953 season. New owner moved the team to Baltimore, where they are now the Baltimore Orioles. Vec was not done with baseball, however. He would go on to be the longtime owner of the Chicago White Sox, and he continued to be a master of promotion on the south side of Chicago, where he would introduce an exploding scoreboard and baseball uniforms that included those shorts and oh, yeah. long pants. The players wore shorts in the yeah. 70s, yeah. Which, you know, I never really understood because we played softball for years and we always wore shorts. Uh-huh. So. Yeah, but you get those, you get road rash on your legs. Not if you wear the sliding dork, shorts underneath They looked underneath dorky them. for baseball players, though. They really did. They were no, Sliding they shorts dorky. didn't come yeah, down Yeah, they did look enough. crazy. No, they didn't come down long so, enough. So and they didn't have so the sliding shorts So your statement was stupid. Then. 
is basically what it comes down to. The uh, you know, you just, just play made, Candy Crush on stupid. your phone and I'm leave not. the baseball talk to the men, would you please? Oh, but my get God. To, if you get could to do Bill right. second most popular uh, promotion. Well, he hired clowns to entertain the crowds between innings and later became known for hiring very attractive young ball girls oh, who would chase that. foul balls in skimpy attire. Mm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Perhaps the, his second most famous promotion besides signing Eddie Goodell was his 1979 disco demolition at Comiskey Park. Oh, that was a shit. Oh, I remember. That was I this ill-fated baseball promotion took that place on July 12th. That was something that on our Facebook group page. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> at the climax of this event, a crate filled with two disco records was blown up on the field. Now, it, the one record that was not in there, Timmy. Was the BG Saturday Night Live album? Because it's fucking awesome. Because it's a classic, yeah. No. Do you know what New York Times means to man? I don't know. I don't know either. But <laughs> I don't know what it is in that song. I don't know. It says it's, that it's one of those free association lyrics. Oh, uh, you think so? Through, yeah. Maybe. All right. So. The, uh, disco Demolition Derby yeah. was a big so event. He gets two crates filled up with disco records, blows them up in the field between games. Um, many of those in attendance came to see the explosion rather than the game. Anyone who brought a disco record was left in the park for 99 cents. You could get in for 99 cents. A local disc jockey show. then blew up the records in between the games of the doubleheader. More than 50,000 people showed up. The White Sox were only expecting 20,000. <laughs> and they started flying. These the drunken <laughs> crowd became rowdy, started throwing disco records onto the field like Frisbees, and finally thousands rushed onto the field after the de detonation. The playing was field was, was damaged by the explosion, and the fans got to the point where the White Sox were required to forfeit the second game of the doubleheader. Beck remained the owner of the White Sox until his death in 86 at the age of 1971, Timmy. That was, a, of, that was that was at the age of seventy one. At the age of seventy one, if you get on YouTube and look up disco demolition, it's just <laughs> it's hysterical. Hilarious. Yeah, yeah. It got, that went out. Of, it, it escalated quickly. Yeah. It's, it's one of those. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, Brandy, your final thoughts on the life of Eddie Goodell? It was a short life. He had little man syndrome. For <laughs> it was sure. a short life. He was a short man. Any Little thoughts or feelings for, sure. for Eddie? But no feelings. Proportionately, for he lived to be like a hundred years old, Timmy. In midget years. In midget, yes, yeah. Colonel, your thoughts on Eddie Goodell? You know, Eddie was just a Eddie was an Eddie. innovator, and I'm just glad that I'm he not the wife. guy. I I would have I, I would I would have loved to have been in the bar to thoughts, see him. Not a seat. Not a thesis. Come on. <laughs> You'd Jesus. love to be. I the got bar. thoughts. I got thoughts. God damn it. Okay, <laughs> I got thoughts. Okay, Colonel. What, what's your thoughts? I would love. How would you have liked to have been in that bar and seen him on the on the pool table it's just a swinging a cue at everybody? It's a shame it's before cell phones. Though. <laughs> I know. I know. That right, should, you know that shit would have gone, gone viral. Oh yeah. yeah. And you know he had a mullet. Let's not kid ourselves. <laughs> yeah. You know he did. I'm. I, you know, and I I got to look up his picture, but I'm picturing the guy from Game of Thrones. Oh, in my Peter head, Dunn, the whole time we've been doing English. this, I've been pitching, yeah. I love picturing Peter a guy from Game of Thrones. Yeah. He's so. badass. Yeah, uh, Peter. Dink yes, I bet Peter Dinklage don't take any shit either. Do you think oh, he gets a he discount don't. for hookers? No, he should get half off. <laughs> Unless he's getting a midget hooker. <laughs> All right, Colonel. Do you get? Uh, do midget hookers give a discount? I don't know. Uh, How the fuck would I know? Uh, we have to ask Bridget the midget. Yeah, Colonel. I'm going to email her. You have any shoutouts? Um, you know what, Timmy? My shout out. We got so many members of the group. Mm -hmm. This is my history. Shout out. Reeves to 
podcast, the Facebook group, History Dweeze, History <clears throat> the podcast Facebook group. It's become so long. I've, I'm trying to reconfigure and trying to figure out what the hell I'm going to do with it. I don't. I don't have any shout outs today because the the page was so long. I didn't know who I did the last time. So, um, okay. of course, we got Lady Beverly, who we always do, and um, your wonderful mother, Dottie Scott, who yes. makes all this possible. We do really this show for Dottie um, because it keeps you out of her hair. Eddie Goodell looks like the doll Chucky. Oh, does he? Yeah. Yeah, we'll post some pictures up on our Facebook page. Brandy, you have any? Um, where can people find us? Uh, people can find us on Facebook. Yeah, we have two pages, History Dweebs, and then we have the page where um, a lot of our listeners interact with us and with each other. It's called History Dweebs, the podcast. It's a Facebook group. Please uh, send a request and join. A lot of fun and merriment goes on there. Wouldn't you say, Brandy? So much merriment. It's like a Bill Vec party. It's a party. It's, it's a party. There's a lot of dead hooker memes and... Yeah. Not anymore. Inappro- inappropriate stuff. Uh, very inappropriate memes. Um, you learn a lot about people that scares you it, mm-hmm. i mean most of the people and we're gonna meet on, we're gonna meet a lot of those folks <clears throat> at crime con june we are the, the scariest the, 9th, the scarier gonna 11th. be right there at crime yep, con yeah. yeah but we're gonna be there on the 10th and 11th right we're gonna be there on the 9th 10th and 11th when are you okay now okay. you're getting there on friday uh-huh. what time friday you get we're there? leaving here at noon this is in annapolis okay yeah you have to close so and get renee and dominique so Brandon. no i'm leaving be, here i'm i'm not gonna be here that day Okay, so Brandy, Brandy, Kevin you and I there. will be there at what? Uh, midday, I don't know, two or three, something like midday, that on Friday. Uh, two o'clock, and then you, you're going over. I'll probably, I should be there by three, four o'clock. Okay, so if you're going to be in Indianapolis for CrimeCon or just going to be in Indianapolis and would like to meet up with us, get in touch with us on Facebook. That's History Degrees, the podcast group, and uh, we would love to meet you. And then you can listen to um, the Colonel um, Jibber talk. Jabber. Yeah. We're also on Twitter. Yeah, at History Dweebs One, you can follow the podcast, or you can follow Brandy at Brandy Vinay. That's Brandy V E N N A. Or you can uh, follow the Colonel at Hawk Walters. Is that right? Hawk Hawk Walters. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and you can also find us on iTunes. If you do, please leave us a review. We've got some very nice reviews. Um, Andrew Dighton left us a very nice review. Nick Johnson left us a very nice review. Thank you, guys. Oh, oh, oh! I do want to add something. Everybody that chipped in, um, a special shout out, I can't name them all, but everybody that chipped in that sent Anna Girl Lyons, um, who's little a member, class, of our Facebook member of our Facebook page. She was sending her, this little group of first and second graders to the art museum. She had a little GoFundMe, and all of her money came from donations from the dweebs. It's, they're so very it's generous. Very, people very and, uh, nice of everybody to yes, do that. Thank you and, very much. And I'm giggling, thinking about her chasing those little demons around in our museum. And we don't have to. It's yes. worth it. It was worth I the donation they, for her to I have to do I hope they honor that. the ropes. <clears throat> no. They will not. They will not First honor and the second ropes. graders do not have a concept they of the honor, ropes. They don't honor. They have no yeah. honor. There's no dibs. <laughs> there's no dibs. Yeah. <laughs> they don't respect yeah. the sanctity Shotgun. Dibs. There's no shotgun. Shotgun. Yeah. 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 No, no, no. Shields. Yeah. <laughs> Save my spot. Save my spot. No. Yeah. Uh, Brandy, also uh, Amber is home uh, back from China with her beautiful young daughter. She is. Uh, and they, Amy. They, they're doing well, and mm-hmm. uh, we're very happy about that. And thank all of you who sent donations in uh, to help the uh, family uh, get the get uh, able to go over and, uh, and get uh, and get her get her. Uh, and her name is 
Amy. Amy Rose. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Something she's like a that. beautiful little girl. Jeez. Thank you all for joining us, and we'll see you next time on History Dwaves. Bye-bye. Good day. Bye, everyone. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.